Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Well, let's continue to worship this morning and reading our sermon scripture for this morning. Excuse me for this morning. Uh, Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 8. We're going to be 1 through 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 9. You can follow on the screen, follow along in your Bible. I'm going to be reading from the ESV this morning. So I'll give you a sec to find that. In light of what we just saw, I would like to read this. We want to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Begging, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Let me read that again. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not we, we, this not we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had stated, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in the love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love for us is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For though he was rich, yet he, for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty may become rich. And by the way, that testimony you heard a moment ago uh, was by Randy Alcorn, who has, uh, has written a number of books, and one of them being The Treasure Principle. And I highly recommend a wonderful little small book but a wonderful book about the joy and grace of giving. And I'll be preaching today from this passage as we conclude our mini-series on the first things first in the church. Uh, Today's message will be the priority of grace giving together. Let's join our hearts in prayer. And Father, we do come as we continue to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, it is such a joy to be in your presence today. I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you are everywhere. Uh, But Lord, I thank you that you're in the hearts and lives of every one of your children. And Lord, you manifest your presence among us as we come to worship you and bring to you our sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving and joy. And like the Macedonian believers, our 
first ourselves, we give to you anew and afresh. So Father, we thank you. We now give you our minds and hearts and ask that you speak to us from this passage as we seek to examine it. Uh, Lord, a familiar passage, I'm sure, to a number of folks. But Father, speak to us a fresh word this morning. Examine our hearts about where we are in our giving uh, relationship. And Lord, not only individually and as families, but even as a church, God, I just pray you'll do a new and a fresh work of grace among us. And uh, Lord, that we'll know the joy of grace giving together. And so speak to us now. We love you, exalt you, and praise you, and anticipate you changing our lives. But God, we especially want to pray for those here who have never repented of their sin and placed their faith and trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. We pray you will awaken their hearts, Lord, that you will do for them what they cannot do for themselves and we cannot do for them, Lord, that you will turn their hearts toward you, overcome their resistance, and bring them to repentance and faith and surrender their lives to Christ as Lord and Savior. God, we'll give you all the glory, and we thank you for what you're going to do and say. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I wanted you to hear that testimony uh, today. I... Uh, saw it the other day and it blessed me and I thought it'd be better for you to hear it from uh, Randy Alcorn than to hear it from me. And uh, as I was thinking about this passage today, as we're going to see, we're going to look at some examples of giving. Uh, and uh, one, uh, we, we see these examples in scripture, but, but also I, I thought about examples in my life. They've blessed my life in the area of giving. I remember as a teenager, uh, I read the, the autobiography of a man named R.G. Letourneau. Some, some of you maybe uh, at least closer to my age are familiar with that fella. We heard about him probably uh, as, as younger adults. Uh, and, uh, and I remember reading about him, this young man uh, at 16 years of age, brought up in a Christian home. He came to faith in Christ through the godly testimony of his parents and sharing the gospel with him and their prayer for him. And uh, he, he was a very uh, hardworking young man uh, and, uh, and a very good student. And he combined those things together along with ingenuity that God had given to him. Uh, eventually, as he went through various jobs and so forth, uh, he eventually started his own uh, company and, uh, and, and built a very um, successful uh, ma- manufacturing business of large earth-moving equipment. And, and uh, he patented uh, 300 of his own inventions in his lifetime. His, his life verse was Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, uh, and all these things will be added to you. He was faithful as a believer, uh, though he was not a pastor. He was, uh, he was a business owner and a, and a businessman, an inventor. Uh, but he was faithful in evangelism and discipleship and missions. He and his wife founded a university uh, and also uh, founded and funded mission ministries in numerous nations uh, around the world. Uh, and as his income increased, you might imagine, with this successful company and all these inventions, uh, then his, uh, his giving also increased. Not only the amount, as you might imagine, but even the, the, uh, even the percentages. I remember reading this as I read that book that he got to the place as he grew, that he uh, grew to the point that he was giving 90% of his income. Uh, to the Lord, to, of course, he gave to his local church, but also, as we mentioned, these other various uh, ministries. And uh, his, his testimony was this, I shovel out the money and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. 
Well, you know, when you hear about stories like this, and we could probably name others, I'm sure you could, uh, and people like Randy Alcorn, you may think, well, yeah, pastor, I, I get that, but those people had money, and they also had the potential, you know, even Randy Alcorn, maybe he gave his away, but at least he was making, he had the potential of being able to give. Uh, but I want to just remind you and share with you from the passage we're going to look at today, that in reality, the poorest people... Uh, in, uh, in, who are rather the, those who give the most in Scripture are those who had the least to give. Uh, this, this story we're going to look at today are these individuals here, and of course we'll look at others as well. So, so this doesn't exclude any of us today, even those of us who may not think, well, I don't have that kind of money. Uh, Paul, as we're seeing in this passage, the setting here is that Paul was uh, receiving a, uh, a, really an offering on his third missionary journey for the relief of the financially struggling uh, churches in Judea which included Jerusalem, the mother church, the one that, where it all got started as, as the church began there. And so Paul, uh, no doubt, had been involved in persecuting many of those uh, believers because the reason they were, and the reason they were suffering so financially and struggling was because of persecution. And it may have even been that some of the, the homes now that had no husband to provide for them were those that Paul had been as Saul before he was converted could have been the very ones who helped land them in jail and taking them away taking away their income source uh, it wasn't just a guilt thing of course but he was under the leadership of the Lord to help uh, care for these believers and and uh, we'll see more about that a little bit later but Paul's writing now the church at Corinth and uh, in this passage, and he is encouraging them uh, because previously on, uh, he, they had made a commitment, yeah, we'll be a part of that offering. Titus had been a part of, of going out and helping, and so uh, he's now encouraging them really to fulfill the commitment they had made but had failed to keep. And so he uses uh, the Macedonian churches as an example of grace-giving. And again, he's not trying to guilt them. Uh, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he is using them as an example. And aren't we grateful for those examples that God uses in our lives to teach us? And so he's teaching them of this wonderful topic and subject in Scripture here about grace giving. Grace, we know, uh, has been defined as God's undeserved, unmerited love in Christ. And these folks had learned the wonderful joy of, of grace giving. And I want you to look with me at here in, in this passage at six characteristics of grace giving together. And one of the reasons I felt the Lord led me to this passage again, because we're thinking about first things first in the church, not just our individual giving, that's a part of it, but, but our giving together as a church. So, so notice several things. First of all, grace giving together is enabled by God. It is enabled by God. And by the way, we have the outline on the back of your bulletin if you want to uh, just uh, fill in some blanks there and take some notes so you can take this with you and study it later. And, and I would encourage you, uh, as you grow in your giving, to read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. There's so many wonderful principles of grace giving in these two chapters. But he, but he, he, noticed, he mentions here the churches of Macedonia. And these refer to those in Philippi, uh, that we looked last Sunday at Philippians, of course, uh, Thessalonica, and Berea. 
And, and the word grace is used in these uh, two chapters over 10 times in chapters 8 and 9. And we said, we said grace was God's unmerited uh, favor, uh, unmerited love in Christ. But also grace is a word that is used to speak of God's enabling us. Uh, and so it's God's gift, God's gift of enabling to us. And he said this grace was given or bestowed. And that does mean it was imparted. And, and that just reminds us once again that as in the passage that, that Hunter read this morning, that, that everything we give to God is first given to us. We're really just a channel that God uh, uses to, to give. It reminds me of when, when we were children before we, you know, we never, I didn't really get an allowance when I was a kid. Uh, those of you who do, count yourself blessed. But, uh, but I did have the opportunity. I can, do you remember maybe uh, when you got ready to go to Sunday school, you know, your, your mom and dad gave you some money to give? Well, you know, that's really what, what God does. God, our Heavenly Father, just gives to us to enable us to give. And again, that verse there is David prayed in 1 Chronicles 9, 14. He says, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly for all things come from you and of your own we have given you. Or we don't own anything. You've given to us, and we just give back to you what you've given to us. So Randy Alcorn likens it to, uh, to, the, uh, to the UPS man. You know, you, you, you got, or we're getting a lot more things now left at our front door, right? So if you just imagine that, you, that guy, does, the, does the UPS guy or the Federal Express guy, does he, does he own any of those things? No. He, he, just, he just brings those to you, right? And maybe sometimes you, you send something, you mail something, or you have them take a package to send someone else. You know, what would you think if he just said, hey, you know, this is for me? No, he's, he's just a delivery guy, right? You know, he's just for the purpose of delivering what, he's just a channel. And that's really what we are. That's what God intends for us. These Macedonian believers, we see here in this passage, in, in these first three verses especially, they were in, in the midst of great, uh, a great trial and, and affliction. The Bible says here that it, that it resulted in extreme poverty. Now again, the, the, the idea and the meaning of this word is down to the bottom poverty. Uh, it describes a beggar who has no hope of ever having anything. Uh, and again, in verse, notice verse 3 once again, what he says about them. He says, they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. He says it was according to and beyond their means. You see, you say, how can you give beyond their means? Well, that certainly says something about the supernatural nature of this. This was enabled by God. God gave them special grace to do this. And they didn't give out of their ability, but out of God's. Uh, they didn't let their circumstances hinder them from giving. Their formula has been described as severe test of affliction plus extreme poverty plus grace equals abundance of joy and wealth of generosity. Uh, verse, the, he goes on to say there in verse 3, they gave of their own accord. This word means choosing with delight or love. They gave spontaneously, uh, led by the Spirit of God. God put this desire 
in their hearts. And folks, I want to say one of the things that helps us to know that we're the children of God, we have a given God, amen? God is the most generous of all. And when, we, when he is, is indwelling us in the person and power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us the spirit of generosity as well and the desire to give. Uh, they didn't have the attitude of, well, we've got to give, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, the pastor's got another sermon on giving, you know, just enough. Well, you know, uh, again, that's not the spirit of these folks. Um, in fact, I, ha- I can imagine you, you got the idea now about how poor they were. They were dirt level poor. They were down to the bottom poor. I can imagine that some people would have chastised, fussed, at Paul for even letting them know about it. I mean, these folks can't afford to give. Do you realize how poor they are? But notice the attitude, and Roger read it again. They begged him for the, for the favor, and the word there for favor again means the grace. They wanted to be able to give. They were, they were cheerful givers. And when we, when we come to understand, again, Randy Alcorn's testimony, what a joy it is to be able to give. We understand uh, verse 7 of chapter 9, where he says again that God, he says, verse 7, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I think we can obviously say the Macedonians were cheerful givers. It was a great joy for them to be able to give. And we, you've heard it said that the word, our word hilarious comes from this word cheerful. Uh, I, I, had, I asked, uh, uh, put some pictures in that I wanted you to see uh, today. Roger, Roger and I had the opportunity probably about 12 years ago to go to um, Juan Cane, Peru, where Rick, Kelly, Martinez, and their children were serving as missionaries. This, is, this has been quite a while back. And uh, just the two of us went. We met a man there named Juan Mamani. I show another picture too. Maybe we can kind of uh, run back through him again. Uh, fellow to the right there in the picture is Juan Mamani. And he is, uh, we went to his home. We worshiped out on the ground in front of their home that day. Uh, and we had, there was just a small group of folks there. But while we were there, Juan took us to the hill behind his home with great enthusiasm and joy to show us where they were going to build a church building. And now, here, 12 years later, they've completed their church building. Now, I think you would say the folks in Macedonia might be something like uh, the, the folks there in Juan Cane. This, this, is what, this wasn't in the town of Juan Cane. This is across the mountain. But Juan Mamani, the pastor, uh, who uh, had a heart for God, love for God, small group of folks here who loved the Lord Jesus, and uh, this was their church building, and they just completed it after these 12 years. Kind of gets you a perspective as you have the opportunity to go around the world when we think we may be poor or struggling in some way. Then we see what these folks are so grateful for in God's provision. And uh, thanks, I just wanted you to get a, get a glimpse of something that happened there. Rick just sent out a word to say thank you for those who had a part. Thank you, Lucy Baptist, for having a part in supporting our missionaries, for helping Roger and I, uh, you know, to go and sending us uh, to, to share the gospel there in, uh, in Juan Cane and just, just to see that God is still at work in this little bitty community of people uh, that have so little, but, but they give what they have to, to the Lord and to the glory and the service of the Lord and the sharing of the gospel with others. Um, 
That's, that's good. Thank you. Jesus and his disciples were watching as the people were giving in the temple. And some put in what seemed like large amounts of money. And you remember that story, many of you, but one little widow, they were watching and Jesus was watching. A great example, again, that Jesus used to remind us of giving. She put in two mites, which is equivalent today of a fourth of a cent. And Jesus told his disciples, they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. What if that little widow had asked you uh, or been telling you about what she sensed God had put on her heart that day? You know what a lot of folks would have done? Don't do that. That's foolish. You shouldn't do that. She gave, and, and Jesus is pointing her out to say she gave more than that. Those other guys, it may have looked like they were the ones that were giving a lot. They were giving out of their wealth. This little lady gave everything she had. She, was the, she gave more than anyone ultimately because she gave all that she had. She knew the joy of grace giving. And I've often thought, I, I can't wait to meet her when we get to heaven and say, tell us the rest of the story. Tell us how God took care of you. Tell us how the Lord provided for you because I am absolutely certain as I know you are that he did. But I want you to see with me second, grace giving together leads to kingdom partnership. Grace giving together leads to kingdom partnership. We see, uh, see that really in just one small phrase here in verse, the latter part of verse four, where he says again, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And several times in uh, verse eight, down in verse 18, 19, and 24, he speaks of the churches. You see, these churches of Macedonia, uh, they, the Bible teaches the local church, but churches come together. They cooperate together. And these churches cooperated together in kingdom Work. The word here, uh, favor, uh, is, is also is the same word as the word grace. It's also translated in one translation, the blessing. So, and the word taking part here is the word also translated fellowship. And you, you, all, you all know that Greek word. I know you do. You know agape, I know. And you know this one. It's what? Koinonia, koinonia right? The Greek word koinonia. And it means, uh, really, it doesn't mean fellowship. It means joint participation in. It also means a partnership. Uh, and so, so, again, these folks had a partnership in grace giving. And when we come together as God's people and give together to the Lord's work in obedience to the Lord, Grace giving unites us. It unites us in fellowship and cooperation and in partnership, not only together as a church, but other like-minded uh, churches that are giving to the glory of God and the advance of the gospel and to, to missionaries and ministries and believers all over the world. Paul described it in, in Philippians 1 when he said to the church there, wrote under the Spirit's inspiration, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you Always in every prayer of mine that you all, uh, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That word partnership is the same word. Fellowship, it's also translated. So we, when we give to the Lord in obedience to the Lord and, 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 and we give beyond and, and we send out uh, our giving beyond these, our, our fellowship here and our, our church, then we are partnering not only with one another, 
but also with other churches. We do that as a church. For example, in our church, we give, not only support our local church's pastors and staff and our building and our ministries here, but we give uh, gratefully and thankfully uh, with a great privilege, 10%, uh, to the cooperative program where we support uh, we support ministries uh, here in our state. Uh, we support uh, uh, children's home, the children's homes, Christian uh, universities, colleges. Uh, we support um, uh, missions in North America. We support international missions, missionaries all over the world. Uh, we also give to our local association, Mid South Baptist Association, again, and support local missions. Uh, we also, again, partner with uh, Catalyst Missions and uh, to train pastors in other nations so that they can equip the saints to do the work of the ministry there and and uh, and to be faithful to the work God's called them to do. In addition to this, we're privileged to give to our Acts one eight offering. Uh, and, and, and again, uh, to give to these ministries and to partner with people not only locally but around the world in the work of the gospel. And that's what was happening here in these churches of Macedonia as they were partnering together in this special offering. And what a great honor and privilege and exciting and joyful thing that is to do. And I'm grateful for our church's generosity in giving. And even, uh, even as we face struggles as a church financially, that, that we have not sought to hoard that or to, to be self-focused or locally only focused, but also to continue to give. And, and I believe and I trust and believe with all my heart that God has honored that and will continue to honor that, and we give him glory for that great privilege of kingdom partnership. But thirdly, grace giving together is preceded by personal surrender to Jesus. Notice that in this passage as well in verse uh, 5. Notice he says, and this, not as we expected. In other words, we, we didn't really expect much from these struggling saints. They you know, they're down, they're, they're, they're really poor. As we would say in Alabama, they're poor. And I mean, these folks just, they were struggling. So we didn't expect them to do this, but notice what he says they did. He said, they, they gave, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And this word first here, it means prior claim. They gave themselves to the Lord first. Why? Because again, Jesus owns us. You are aware of that, aren't you, child of God? That we are bought at a price. The precious blood of Jesus has purchased us. And the Bible says we are not our own. And yet at the same time, isn't it wonderful that while we are bond slaves of Jesus Christ, that is, the, that is our, our attitude and spirit as a child of God, yet he wants us to lovingly and willingly give to him. He still calls us to give ourselves in an act of worship. That's what Romans 12, 1 is all about when he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So even though we already belong to him, he still uh, desires for us and invites us to give ourselves to him as a, in an act of worship. And that's exactly what these Macedonian believers did. They gave themselves to the Lord. And, and, they, and, and they, th this is the key here. Again, their obedient, willing, joyful generosity. The key to it was that they surrender themselves 
to the Lord. He says, and then to us by the will of God, then to others. They gave themselves to the Lord first, and then they gave themselves to others. You see, our, our, when we are surrendered to the Lord, that makes us generous in every way. It, get, it just changes our heart. And we, be, we have a generous spirit in, in every way. And that's why, again, they weren't burdened down by, and they weren't offended by, this opportunity to give. In fact, they begged for the privilege. And so I remind you, that that's what giving is. It's just being obedient to the Lord that we belong to because, again, we're not owners. We're not owners. We're only stewards. We're only managers. Kent Hughes said, there is no way to grow to spiritual maturity without committing your finances to the Lord. Jesus can have our money and not have our hearts, but he cannot have our hearts without our money. Fourth, Grace giving together is a process of spiritual growth. We grow in this process. Notice, if you will, verse, verse 6 again. He says, accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Now in these verses, he's directing his attention to the church at Corinth. And, and so he is, uh, he's just reminding them again, Titus, uh, again, working with Paul and taking this, uh, this relief offering, this love offering for the church at churches of, of Judea. He, uh, he had initially encouraged the Corinthians to start this collection, as we said, a year earlier. And apparently the church, you know how we are sometimes, we get busy with other things, we, we neglect something, and that's what had happened. So he's reminding them of their commitment, and he sent Timothy to finish what he'd begun. And, but he, verse 7, he says, as you excel in everything. The word excel here means to overflow. It means to go beyond the limits. The church at Corinth, as you study 1 Corinthians, you know this was a church that put great emphasis on the spiritual gifts. And so they were a highly gifted church. And it was true. He says here, he names off all these areas. You, boy, you're, you're, you're going beyond the limits in all these areas, you know, in, in speech and in faith and in knowledge and in diligence and in your love. You, you excel in these things. But then he says, but see to it that you excel in this grace also. Here's an area where you need to grow. Here's an area where you need to overflow. Because uh, this is, uh, is an area that we should grow in. And that's true of us, all of us as believers. Again, in 2 Corinthians 9, 11, he says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgivings to God. Randy Alcorn says that when God increases our income, we should ask, is it to increase our standard of living? or our standard of giving. You know, what's the American way? The American way is, you know, when, like when Karen and I, when we got married, we started off in a little garage apartment. Now, our family grew later, and we couldn't have very well managed to live in that little one-bedroom garage apartment. Uh, but typically, what do we do? Is our, as our income grows, we, you know, our standard of living grows. And, and that's understandable to a limit. Uh, but, but he says we should ask ourselves again, and we should ask the Lord, Lord, are you just seeking to, in, in, to increase my standard of living, or are you wanting to increase my standard of giving? 
Grace giving together is a process of spiritual growth. You know, you may be like me and you grew up being taught the tithe, the 10% of giving. And I'm so grateful my parents taught me that principle as a child so that it wasn't hard for me as I grew into adulthood. Because again, this, this area is an area of, of growth that many even new believers, they, they struggle with from, uh, and, and they have to grow in this area. And God has to change our hearts in this, in this area. But, but, and so I'm grateful for being taught that. But, but again, Alcorn calls tithing the training wheels of giving. It's the starting place. Larry Burkett said the danger is that we can treat it as simply another bill to pay or to think that after tithing, I have fulfilled all my obligations. But many believers can and should give more. And so I want to just urge you today, as we think about this process of growing, are you growing in grace giving? Are you growing in this area? And do, are you, uh, uh, does your attitude, are you, do you have the attitude that the Macedonians have? Are you growing in this area? Or are you like this, these Corinthian believers that you need to, you need to excel in this area. You need to grow. You need to go beyond that in your, your giving and, your, and in your grace giving in your life. Ask the Lord. You just be obedient to him and do what the, the Lord leads you to do in this area. But number five, grace giving together demonstrates our love for Jesus. Again, in verse eight, he says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Paul is an apostle. He had the authority, you know, as an apostle to demand and command, but he said, I'm not, I'm not, this is not, I'm not putting this on you as a command. Uh, I, I'm asking you just to, uh, to, to search the Lord, to, to go to the Lord, but he's also challenging them through this to prove their love for the Lord Jesus through their generosity. Again, I've shared with you that uh, uh, there's no one more generous than God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. He proved his love for us. And we have the privilege of demonstrating our love for him and for others in our giving. You know, worship is expressing our love for God and recognizing his great worth. And again, that's why I believe it's so good and so, such an important thing that giving is a part of worship. In fact, I know we often, uh, we've sort of by tradition given through, uh, through uh, Sunday school, and that's okay. But, uh, but I really think it's a great joy and privilege to give in our worship. And I'd encourage you, if you haven't done that, consider that. And, and uh, because it's a, a great joy to be able to, to give as an act of worship. Uh, again, uh, Paul, uh, t- Paul told the Philippian church that even the gift that they had sent to provide for him, his needs, was an, was an offering of worship. Listen to Philippians 4.18. He says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. J.B. Phillips uh, renders 4.18, such generosity is like a lovely fragrance, a sacrifice sacrifice that pleases the very heart of God. So as you give to the Lord from a heart of love and gratitude and praise and worship, just imagine 
that being an offering that comes up to the Lord and it's fragrant. It's like, like those Old Testament sacrifices that des- are described as, as being a sweet-smelling savor, a fragrant offering. And imagine the Lord being pleased with uh, your giving from your love for him and, and smiling with pleasure, if you will. But number six and finally, grace giving together is motivated by Jesus' sacrifice. He's given us the example of the Macedonians, but now he turns to give us the greatest example of giving at all, of all, and that is the Lord Jesus. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. The Macedonians, yes, gave a wonderful example, but again, they were motivated by the sacrificial giving of the greatest giver of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just ponder, ponder on that. Think on that, about the wonderful grace of Jesus, of his giving of himself, of the grace that he had, uh, and, and, and that though he was rich, think about the riches of Christ. He describes in John 17 the glory that he had with the Father uh, in the presence of the Father. He's fully God, always has been, the creator of the universe. He's now, again, at the, on, at the right hand of the Father. He's now seated on the throne. But when he came to this earth, From the riches of heaven, he left the splendor of heaven, as the song says. He humbled himself. He became fully human, starting as a tiny embryo in Mary's womb, then born into human poverty. And the Bible says, as Paul describes it in Philippians 2, 7, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on cross. So the greatest way he showed his generosity was his willingness to give himself on that cross for us by becoming sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He became what we are without sin, but fully human, fully God at the same time, in order that on the cross he could pay our debt in full so that our sin could be cleansed and be forgiven. So that again, through our repentance and faith in him, through his invitation to our hearts, we might again surrender to him as Lord and receive his grace, the riches of Christ, relationship with him, eternal life when we deserve eternal hell forever. But what a great joy it is to know him personally that that again that by his poverty we might become rich what a wonderful wonderful demonstration the greatest ever of love for us in fact paul ends second corinthians 9 15 by saying thanks be to god for his inexpressible gift have you received today his inexpressible gift have you received his grace gift, the gift of Jesus, the gift of eternal life, again, by acknowledging your sin, turning from your sin, placing your faith and trust in Jesus, receiving his gift of eternal life. Again, our giving is motivated by Jesus giving the greatest gift 
of all. If you've not done that today, we urge you and invite you by the invitation, by as God's Spirit lays and works in your heart today to reveal your need for Him, to respond to His invitation to come in repentance and faith and surrender to Christ as Lord. In Egypt, um, there are two graves of two young men who died there. One is one that you will readily recognize. I remember coming years ago to Memphis to see the King Tut exhibit. But King Tut died at 17 and was buried with, with solid gold chariots, gold artifacts, uh, his gold coffin encased in uh, several gold tombs filled with tons of gold. You see, the Egyptians had the idea that, uh, uh, the, falsely, of course, that, that, you could, uh, that a person could take their wealth with them and therefore enjoy it forever. The other grave in Egypt is that of a, of a young man named William Borden, a Yale graduate, also uh, a recipient of, of great wealth, but who gave his fortune to missions and left the United States, to go to Egypt as a missionary to the Muslims of Egypt. And after only four months of a diligent ministry, this young man, at 25 years of age, died of spinal meningitis. You see, King Tut tried to take it with him, didn't he? But again, he, without Christ, will remain in hell forever. But Borden found Christ to be the treasure worth losing everything for and realized as Jim Elliott, who also died a martyr for the sake of the gospel, said he is no fool to lose what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Have you come to understand that wonderful, wonderful joy? Have you come to recognize the grace uh, of giving the joy and the privilege and the priority of grace giving together? If not, I pray that God will bring you to that wonderful discovery and that personally, as families and together as a church, we will grow in the grace of giving together. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.